Yes. So the future uh, was my presence this past week, and I thank you so much for allowing me to be out. Uh, if you pull some house lights up, listen. I love Ellie De La Cruz. I just went to Cincinnati this past week and got to see two ball games, and he got caught up from the minors like just a few months ago. So a few months ago, we were second to last place, and now we are in second place, a half game out of first. So I'm just saying. Guys in the minors like Cruz, man, they're going to make it to the big leagues if they just keep pushing. If they got the God-given talent like this man, he's unbelievable to watch. And so they drafted and, and recruited him, and they quickly called up Cruz. But so if you look at other minor league players, some of them, though, are, are there for like seven to eight years, and they never make it to the MLB level. Many of them, they just, they just don't do it. They just they have this gift to play ball. But it's either too hard or it's too long of a season. It's too long, too much pressure on their future to make something happen because they're trying to build a family. Like they just somehow either get scared or get intimidated and they tap out. And so as I was watching this ball game last Sunday, of course, after online church, of, of, of course, of course, right? But I'm watching Ellie De La Cruz and my pastor brain goes back to all the stuff that I've been talking about. And I was like, what if this man tapped out? What if he decided that playing through the minors, no matter how grueling the process would be, how arduous, how long it would be, would be too much for him and he quit? Since he would not be selling out games and the Reds would not be where they're at now, probably. So not everybody makes it because not everybody's willing to take their shot and to put in the hard work and to grind and push through. So that's where one of our miners are coming from today. Jonah is getting the call up, but he would rather not play ball at all, okay? So again, the minor prophets in the Bible, I know I'm talking about minors and majors in baseball, but the minor prophets just have smaller stories. That's all that it is. Their messages are not minor. So this man named Jonah, he has something powerful to say to you. This minor prophet, his story is about taking a shot when it is handed to you again. See, people have been fixated through the years about Jonah and a fish, right? That he get chomp, 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 swallowed up. And that's what we kind of equivocate his story to is that he gets swallowed by a whale. But that's not the story's message. That's not the story's heartbeat. Jonah's story isn't about a whale. It's about people. So as I set up our next series beginning in two weeks, again, we have one last Sunday. Next Sunday is our last time at 10 a.m. And then we're going into this new series, this new season back at 929-1101 called Community, City, and World. Community, City, and World. And I thought that I should start sharing this story to set us up for what God has planned for our present and our future. Because today, I think we need to hear the theme of this book. And it's simply this. God gives people second chances. How many people have ever needed a second chance in your life? Or a 13th, 14th, 29th, 72nd. But Nineveh, that's the city he's supposed to go after, right? God says, you got a message. This, the city is full of people. And they are renowned for their cruelty and their evilness. And he's given the second chance by God because he says, I'm going to give you this, this opportunity to go and talk to them. And these people were given this second chance opportunity 
to have this time frame that God says, you're going to get this amount of time to repent and turn and change your ways. But instead of our minor prophet Jonah, like just grabbing a hold of that thing, instead he, he ran the other direction. But we're going to hear the point of where he's deciding to obey God, where he decides that, yeah, I've had enough. Lord, I hear you. I will go preach to the crazy Ninevites just like you told me to. Both of these people, both of these groups are given a second chance. And that's my question for you today. Will you take the second chance that's being handed to you right now by God, or are you going to run away? Because this, this is not a talk today. Today's a message. Because running away is the easier wrong thing to do. And I don't know, maybe you've been running from a dream that God's put in your heart. And you've tapped out on it because it just looks impossible with human eyes. But we know that God is more than able. With him, anything is possible. But maybe today, the thing with you is the commitment thing. Like you used to walk with the Lord, but life got in the way. And you got scared along the way, or maybe you got scarred along the way. And that relationship with Jesus just kind of took a back seat. And so you're like, yeah, I'm never going to make it to the major, so I'm just not even going to try. But maybe you've been running from this. The call that sits on every single person's life in this room. And that's just simply you're supposed to reach people for Jesus Christ. In your community, in your city, and even the world. The world needs you. And you know you were called to teach. You know you're called to preach. You know that you're called to simply share your testimony. But it's always, always easier to do the wrong thing than it is to do the hard, right thing. And that's what I want to reflect on today because this message is particularly for you that find yourself in that last group. Will you take the second chance to reach your family, to reach your friends, to reach your world? Or are you going to run away? See, Jonah obeys, but it's only after he's been whale puke. Okay? Right? But the result is all on God. It's not on Jonah. And what happens is this incredibly epic moment of, of Jonah taking a second chance. When Jonah does what God says to do, you know what he does? He ignites the greatest recorded revival in the entire history of the earth. I told you his story isn't minor. So let me give you the story backdrop on Jonah before I drop the conversation on you today in chapter three of his book. Now, his second chance calling happens in, in Jonah three. So if you want to turn there now, put your thumb in it, that's good. But let me tell you what God did. God called Jonah to preach to these Ninevites. Now I've said it before. It is this Assyrian city, Nineveh. These people were horrible, okay? They were evil. And so Jonah was like, nope, wasn't going to do it. The freaking Ninevites skinned people alive then they would bury them in the ground and leave their head out of the ground and then place them all around the city gates as the welcome wagon, right? So when you walked up on the city, it says, don't mess with us. We're crazier than Texas, right? Nothing says, hey, come on in, like skinned human heads instead of flowers. So Jonah was like, I'm afraid of these lunatics. I don't want this. And so he ran like Forrest Gump in the opposite direction. God said, go talk to the Ninevites. And then Jonah said, nope, I'm going to go to the opposite direction of what you say. So he got on this boat. And if you look at the map, it's hilarious because Tarsus is the complete opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. Because he said, I'm not going to speak to them. So he gets on this boat, sails to Tarsus. 
in the opposite direction, and then a storm brewed, and then the crew kicked him off because they're like, uh, you've done something wrong. Gulp, then this whale swallows him, this big fish swallows him, and inside the belly of a fish, as most probably would, Jonah comes to grips that he probably made a mistake. Yeah, duh, right? So then he repents, he accepts his calling, and he makes a promise to the Lord, yeah, I will go. And then the whale upchucks, right? And Jonah lands out on the sand. Now, what would God tell Noah, or not Noah, Jonah to do? So we're going to find out what happens in Jonah 3, where we see God's commission to Jonah to go and to do what God said to do originally. Look at Jonah 3, 1 through 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So, oh, Jonah, he obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was, was like this very large city, and it took three days to go through it. So let's identify some points that we got to pick up because today is all practical, okay? The story is you. It is me minus us getting eaten by a fish. So there are three things that we have got to pull from this to apply to our lives. First, I'm going to give you this practical stuff on, on the what's, and then I'm going to give you three practicals on the how, okay? All of this is for you. Why? Because today is your second chance, my friend. Number one, here's what we've got to pull from the story. To reach our culture, we have to preach the gospel. You have to preach in order to reach, okay? If I have to rhyme it so that it gets seared into your memory, reach and preach, baby, reach and preach, okay? Everybody say preach. Everybody say reach. This sad section over here. Everybody say reach. Thank the Lord. Everybody over here say preach. Just wanted to pull a Hulk Hogan right there. If you're old like me, you know exactly what that meant. All right. God didn't tell Jonah to go to Nineveh and just be a good witness in front of people. Just be that silent witness. Great, that's nice and all. He, didn't, he did not tell him, hey, go to move to this Assyrian capital and just go live in an apartment and let people watch you. Be kind, be good to other people. No, God said specifically, preach to them the message that I give you. Now, when I say to you preach, it does not mean that you have to go and think like, I got to go get a megaphone and get a crazy outfit and stand on a street corner and start screaming at people. No, you are the person. If you're like that, I will drive my car at you, maybe into you, give you a nice little bump and a roll. Listen, I'm not talking like that. I'm preaching right now. I'm not shouting at you. I'm just having a conversation with you. So no screaming. You don't have to even ride a whale into town. Listen, you can preach through DMs. You can preach through texting. You can preach through email. You can preach through social media posts. But the best way to reach somebody, a normal conversation. And it's a normal conversation with someone that you've actually established a partnership with, a friendship with, right? Someone that you know and love, someone that knows and loves you. Honestly, you know, you can, you can chat up with a complete stranger, but I'm telling you, the most receptive person will be someone who trusts you. And the emphasis, it's not on the delivery. It's not on the mechanism. It's, it's about the content. So hear me, we're all called to verbally communicate the greatness of the good news of Jesus Christ. We've all, been, we've all been called out by the Great Commission 
right? By Jesus Christ, he said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Some people, no, 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 everybody that you come in contact with. So who are the ones to go? Disciples of Christ. If you claim that you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are the church and this is your job. It is not my job alone. It's our job. I'm not the preacher. You're the preacher. Okay? In the book of Acts, the church turned the entire world upside down. A small group of people just begin to multiply and explode. And, and one of the ways that he did this was what we see in Acts 2, verses 42 and 43. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That's why this Wednesday we have an a potluck, right? Believers got it. See, what do they do? They entrenched themselves in the Word of God. They kept meeting. They kept learning what the Word of God was about and how to articulate it and understand it. And they kept loving on each other and being a part of each other's lives as the church. And then they gave the message of love away lovingly. So when Jesus started his public ministry, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a preacher of the Word. Matthew 4, 17 says, From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He just picked up where his cousin left off. Crazy John, the dude that ate like locusts and was really hairy. That dude. He says, change your life. God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is now. Now's the time to accept the Lord. Now's the time to start relationship with him. Follow his ways, do his work, and don't let your time run out. Now's your time. Matthew 10, 7, Jesus said to his fathers, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. He's saying, I'm here. The rescuer has come. The Messiah has shown up. Get with me. Get forgiven. Get set free. And then give that away to somebody else. So why do you preach? Because of that alone. But two, this is that God's set this up, that his primary way of reaching lost people is speaking about it. God can use anything to tell his story. God can make a mountain talk if he wanted to, right? God could use circumstances. God could use dreams. God could use the miracles because he's a miraculous kind of God. That's just what he does. That's what he's famous for. He could do anything to reach people, but instead, God chose you. God chose me. God says, I want people to reach people. God chose to reach people through ordinary, flawed messed up people like me and like you who are just willing to be faithful to open up our mouths and share God's message about who Jesus is. Trust me, this was not the plan that I had for my life. Scott Hunter was going to be an actor on stage. Dude, I was going to be in the movies. My brother was the preacher. I was supposed to be the star. Well, look how that turned out, right? But I am a living, breathing example of when God says, stop running and chasing after only what you want to do, because this is my moment in your life where I say, listen, I'm calling you out, and you step into obedience, you better watch what God's going to do with your life. And I stepped into my calling, and I came to understand, listen, my whole job is just to speak about him to others. That's it. I don't have to be somebody in a fancy suit, because I ain't. And I ain't got no fancy pulpit. I got a table from the Ross. 
I don't even have to be sitting on a stage. I could just be having a conversation with you because I got to tell somebody what Jesus Christ has done in me, especially my friends who feel like hell is a vacation spot they would like to go to. Because eventually, God sent me on this path to teach you to do the same, to teach you what? That there is power in your words to change somebody else's life. When they hear that you've had a second chance and that God has given them the same thing, and when you step into answering that call about opening your mouth and proclaiming Christ, you are a game changer to somebody else. But you're like, well, Scott, what if I do say yes? What is it that gotta preach, right? I hear people say all the time, well, I, I can't talk about Jesus. Scott, I don't even know what would I even say. <laughs> and so it's a simple fix for that. Hear me. Do what Jonah did. You can lean into that one. Here we go. Ready? I'm gonna tell you again. Do what Jonah did. Go tell the people the news in which God is saying. Here's what I'm going to tell you to speak. Now speak it. Do you know that Jonah didn't get prepped up with anything up front? No prep time, nothing. He just said, go warn them. And so Jonah didn't have his fancy Bible app. You know, he didn't have a fancy leather bound version of the Bible that you and I are so blessed to have and so lazy to use. But he just went and said, God, okay, you give me the words to say, I'm going to say them. But we have the word. We have the, the very written words of life from God himself. It is, is written in front of us. It's spirit breathing. It is alive, for Timothy says. It's life giving. It's authoritative. It is the truth. It is the word of almighty God that will set people free. And you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us <laughs> to go and to step out and not be afraid and to speak what he will call you to speak just like he did with Jonah. So, thirdly then, what we've got to do, simply preach the message that we have been given. Your message, my message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of the cross in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you will just read those over and over and over and get that ingrained in you, I'm telling you, it's a story of the cross. Stop overcomplicating it. Jonah 3.2 says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it. Proclaim the message I give you. I love reading this text because Jonah started out going to Nineveh before he knew exactly what he was going to say, before the specific message would be given. He just knew that when the time came, God's going to give me the right words. Just like your time when you sit in front of your sister or your brother or your mom or your uncle or your best friend who claims to be atheist your entire life. The Spirit of God is going to recall every scripture that you need to speak. The Spirit of God is going to move in your heart. The Spirit of God is going to put the wisdom of the Lord in your mouth so that you might not mess that up. Because guess what? There's this opportunity, and you don't need to be afraid of messing it up. God's going to give you the right words to say. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, <laughs> I love this, eleven twenty-three. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. All you have to do is pass on his story. And you already got it written for you. You don't have to wait for God to tell you what to say. You know what God is saying. He's saying, share my son. So that's, that's what we've got to do. That's, there's a quick strategy. It's one and two. Number one, you share your redemption story. 
What does that mean? Tell the story about how God rescued you from a life that was uh, leading to destruction or was like bottomed out, whatever it is, whatever you were doing before you came to know Jesus, share it. And then share the encounter that you had with them that flipped everything around. That grace moment that changed your life. That's it. Look at Jonah. He was a changed man. He was literally like a resurrected man that was like on the brink of death. Just getting swallowed up by whale belly acid, right? He's getting digested and then gets launched out on the beach. And so now he's got this crazy message. And because of what he experienced, heads turned. And it was so much bigger than a dumb whale experience. He experienced the grace of God. And that's what got passed on. That is what resonated with lost people. Strategy step number two is just teach the redeeming grace of the gospel. You use the gospel to back up your claim. You use the gospel to back up your story. Jesus did this for me. I am living, breathing, walking proof of the message of Jesus. Why do we need Jesus? Romans 3.23, because all people have sinned. I was sinning. I was messed up. And all of us fall short of God's glorious standard. Well, did Jesus die for me too? Well, yeah. John 3.16, for God loved the world this way that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who will just believe will not die but will have eternal life. Well, how do I get saved? Romans 10.10, by believing. By believing, you receive God's approval. And by declaring your faith, you are saved. If you can share those three simple facts, the Bible is no longer going to seem like someone looking from the outside in where they're like, well, this is just judging me and this is just pointing things out to me and this is just calling me out for all the things that I have done wrong. No, 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 no. It shares this love story about how God would go to the ends of the earth for you. How, how loving our God would be that he would do what he would do to rescue us by just slaying his own son so that you could live. The word of God is life-giving, not life-destroying. It's life-altering. It's full of hope. It's full of forgiveness. It's full of freedom. It's full of joy. John 3, 17, see, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, not to point fingers, but to save the world through him. Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still mad at him, while we still hated him, while we were still doing all of our own mess. This demonstrates God's love for us. Ephesians 1 to 5, because of his love, he already decided he was going to adopt you through Jesus Christ. And he freely chose to do this. Why? Just because he loves you. Now more than ever, people need to know that they're loved. People need to know that they are wanted. The society does nothing but pin people against each other and make everybody try to hate everybody. And God says, I have the message of love. Why don't you open up your mouth and share it? So we don't need to add to the scripture. We don't need to try to take away, or we don't need to worry about that. It's my job to figure out how to make it interesting. No, 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 no. My job is simply to deliver it. See, the fact is that the, the, the word of God is raw, and it is explosive, and there is so much power in the gospel. That power is what is going to grip the heart of someone who does not know God, who's looking maybe for something more, and if you guys are just bold enough to share it, 
here's what happens. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone believes. It's not on you. It's him. It's not your power. It's him. This power in the Greek is dunamis. You know what dunamis, what word do we get from it? Dynamite. It is explosive. The power and the message of Jesus Christ is explosive. So it's not your job to make the gospel relevant. It's already eternally relevant. It was relevant 2,000 years ago, and it is seriously, it feels almost more relevant right now in our day and age as everything seems to be falling apart. You need direction? Check. The gospel has that for you. You need peace? Check, check. You need unconditional love? Do you need forgiveness? Check. See, the answers are in his word. You just got to point people to it. So when I sit down at this table, as a preacher, I'm not sweating over what is coming out. Like, how can I make this interesting? No. It's already interesting. It's already effective. It's already the most relevant thing that you've ever heard. My job is simply to bring clarity to things that do not make sense and to take those things and make them applicable to your daily life so that you will walk them out and you will use them and you will walk in knowledge and you will grow up in the Lord. My job is to try to make things make sense. My job is not to try to make scripture appealing because it's already overly compelling. See the book of Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's word is full of power. I say power. And it is sharper than a dagger cutting swift deep into our innermost thoughts and desires with all their parts and kind of cutting it out and exposing us for who we really are. But as it pulls out, it's got this healing process to it. It cuts out the things that we don't need in our lives. And as that dagger pulls out, man, it's just got this healing virtue that comes with it. So all that was wrong is being made right. I know very well that the message of the Bible, it will do what God wants it to do. Your job, my job, is just to let the lion out of the cage, out of the pages, out of the word of God. Jonah was in line in this long line of prophets, these people that were literally the mouthpieces of God, who spoke for God. In the book of Acts, we read in the last days that your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. You're living in the last days since Jesus ascended to heaven. So guess what? You're the prophets, every single one of you. God speaks to people through people. And you're it. And you have the message. The literal definition of prophesying is to speak for another. Jonah spoke to the culture for God. You are God's representative to speak for your culture now. You are the prophet. You are the spokesperson. You are the mouthpiece of God. What are you waiting for? Your time is right now. Hmm. So we kind of understand now the what behind my second chance. But what about the how? How do I share this? So let me wrap this up, and I'm going to give you three short steps. First of all, I need to remind you, as you preach the word God, it's just speaking the truth, right? We got to remember that as God's representative, it's okay to be ordinary, because God's representation is usually an ordinary person. And that means, number one, ditch the pressure of trying to be good enough 
or perfect enough to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's not going to happen. Isn't that a relief? I don't have to be perfect. There's nothing special about me other than I'm wearing this beautiful best team in baseball t-shirt. But I'm just ordinary. I'm regular old me. God goes out of his way to use the regular people to share his message. Why? So that he gets the glory, not us. God is not looking for you to be fearless. God is not looking for you to be flawless. God, otherwise, listen, God would never be able to use people because we're all messed up. There would be literally nobody left to share his message. And Jonah's story shows us that, that God will use someone and give them a second chance because people people. That's who God chooses to use to tell his story through. Bottom line, a person who speaks for God is, <laughs> is an ordinary person who have just probably had a second chance given to them. Or maybe that person has just been overlooked by everybody else. When you look at the Bible, I love this. I love the stories of those that are like these kings and these like mega awesome prophets. And you look at the, those moments of weakness. Like, do you know that everybody just forgot? Like Jesse didn't even call on David. Like they forgot him out in the field when Samuel was coming to anoint the new king. They didn't even think of him. He was just a shepherd boy. King David, the man after God's own heart. <laughs> I love that like Elijah was like this epic prophet, right? But Elijah was hiding out in a cave because he was afraid of Jezebel after he literally just called down fire from heaven. Jesus Christ in his own hometown was just looked at the like, oh, it's the carpenter's kid. That's nobody special. You can do this. And I think if you see yourself like that, then it is just the right setup for God to use you. Because you and I, we are not the ones who are important in this story. Why? Because number two, you got to understand this how is that you are speaking for someone else. You, you are speaking for for God himself. It's about him. It's not about me. The words you share are not your own. Will you say that with me? The words I share are not my own. Let me hear you. The words I share are not my own. One more time. The words I share are not my own. Thank you very much. You just proved my point. You just repeated my words to over hundreds of people in this room and watching online, to family, whoever's watching this, friends, complete strangers, well done. You see, we are not God's editors. We are not God's writers. We're just his delivery men and women. We're just his teenage sons and daughters. We're just his kids. And we have just got to share his message. First Corinthians 14, one, we are called to be his mouthpiece. Mic drop moments. You're called to be the mouthpiece of God. I know that scares many of us. When I see that, I'm like, gulp, right? But let me tell you, all it takes is sincerity. People can sense if you care. 
So if you preach with authenticity and you preach with some passion and you preach with some love and people know you, they'll give you a chance to listen to you. Lastly, number three, know this, results are not up to you. The results are not up to you. That is not your job. We are not responsible for how somebody else responds to the message of Jesus Christ. It's God's job to save people, not ours. Thank the Lord, right? You can lead them into relationship, but it's not your job to save them because you can't. All you have to do is deliver the message. The simple fact is that God doesn't require your success in reaching. He requires your faithfulness in speaking. You could totally flub it all up, mess it all up, fall flat on your face, and God can still get the glory out of it because his message is profound and amazing and dunamis, it's explosive. You share the message that you've been entrusted to, and then you leave it in God's hands. And then the Holy Spirit, I promise you, will guide the words that you say. Every time I open up my mouth, I say, Lord, put your wisdom in my mouth. And scripture tells us in James that if you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you, holding nothing back. He will give you the words to say, just like he gave Jonah. Look at Jonah 3, 4. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, that's encouraging. Thanks, Jonah. But he was speaking the truth. God was going to judge them for their evilness. So the Lord was allowing them to turn and repent and experience grace. See, it's the way that you look at it. They saw that they had a 40-day window of God's grace to fix what they had been doing. That's still our message to the culture. Turn to me and you will be saved before your time runs out. And his message is for everybody. First Timothy 2, 4 says he wants all people to be saved and to learn the truth. Not a few, all. So here's why you matter so much in this story. Romans 10, 14. But how can they call to him for help if they have not believed? And how can they believe if they have not heard the message? And how can they hear if the message is not proclaimed. It's my job. It's your job to proclaim, to preach the message, the simple good news that Jesus came to give up his life so that you could live. And if you will believe, you will have everlasting life and you will find life to the fullest in this one now and the one to come. Be a Jonah. Take the second chance. Open up your mouth on behalf of God. Jonah to proclaim the word of God the people of Nineveh believe God's message. And from the greatest person to the least person in society, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Nineveh turned to God and they found forgiveness. They found grace. They found that life that we're talking about. And notice, it didn't say they believed Jonah. It says they believed God. The greatest revival ever recorded happened because a man delivered a message that he did not even want to go and do. Ninevites, you got 40 days, and it was a message that nobody wanted to hear, and it saved the entire size of a city larger than Jacksonville, Florida, to have them all turn and repent and change their ways. So if God can bring a massive revival of 1 million plus people through one single person sharing that kind of message of yelling doom and gloom, you better turn in 40 days or you're all going to die, 
Just imagine what you could do with the most epic story of all time that's all about hope and eternal life and freedom and forgiveness. You have the greatest story of all time. What is holding you back? Listen, you have the message of Jesus. You have the secret to eternal life. The gospel literally means good news. Go give the good news away. Romans 5, 6 through 9. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When you were utterly helpless, when you had nothing to offer God, God chose to forgive you, to love you, to pull you out of the mess, the wreck of your life. What a powerful message. Why do you not think somebody else needs to hear that and experience what you've experienced? Just go be, go be willing to tell the story. And when God says, hey, it's time. Christ is showing up just at the right time for that person. Man, I hope you will open up your mouth. Your second chance opportunity is somebody else's second chance at eternity. And I pray that you will just be bold enough to give Jesus away because somebody else's life depends on it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these challenges that just kind of rock our world, Lord, and pulls us out of apathy. Lord, I just, I know, Lord, that you're doing a new thing in our church. God, I, I can sense the move of your spirit. I know, Lord, that you're setting us up, Lord, for something epic and how we're about to change our community and city, our world, Lord, but it comes with recognizing our story, recognizing your story, and then being bold enough and willing enough and faithful enough, Lord, to give it away. So, Lord, right now, I just pray for boldness over my church. Fear does not come from God. It tells you over and over in Scripture, do not be afraid, for I am with you. What makes you think, sharing the gospel, that you are going to be doing this alone? Do not be afraid. Open up your mouth. Your mom's life depends on it. Your kid's life depends on it. Your coworker, his life depends on it. That complete stranger that God has dropped in your path on a random Tuesday afternoon is not so random, I promise you. She needs to hear the word of life. Spirit of God, raise up some boldness. Raise up some warriors. Some ordinary people, Lord, that are anointed by you to go and give you away. Listen, if you just kind of find yourself in that boat, and God is, is kind of rattling your chest and kind of rattling your spirit today, Can you just slip up your hand and pray with me? And say, God, I need you right now to make me bold. Just slip up your hand. Just say, I need to be bold. I need to open my mouth. Okay. Hmm. That's good. Lord, I pray for every single person that was bold enough, Lord, <laughs> to take this small step. 
Lord, because they have stepped out in faith. Lord, I pray that you will use their faithfulness, Lord, and that you're going to set them up. Holy Spirit, put your words of wisdom in their mouth. Right now, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just sweep your sweet presence of peace, Lord, over their body. Lord, let them, let them literally feel the tangible presence of your spirit, Lord, rush from the top of their head to the soles of their very feet. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will go before you. I will give you the words of wisdom. I will put them in your mouth. So go and open up, share your life, share the story of the cross. Change somebody else's life in my name, for my name, for my glory, and for their future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.